The Life, Love, and Leadership podcast is a presentation of Marissa Q. Payne International, Dr. James Payne Speaks, and the Foundation for Successful Marriages with Rare Gem Productions. Learn more at SuccessfulMarriages.org. And here are your hosts, the doctor and the missus, Marissa Q. Payne and Dr. James Payne. Welcome back to Life, Love, and Leadership with Dr. James and Marissa Q. Payne. I am Marissa Q. Payne. And I am Dr. James Payne, and we are so glad that you're here with us today. How you doing, baby? I'm doing good, sweetheart. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm you're, good. You're looking fly. You're oh. looking fly. <laughs> Thank you. Good, good, good. We survived another sports season. Survived another sports season, and uh, we are in the the doldrums waiting for football to resume. (laughs) The doldrums? Yes, we're waiting for football to resume and uh, so I can get my sports fix. (laughs) It's been like, what, three, four days? So we... Three or four days too many. Oh my gosh. Is what it's been. So So I love football, so I am looking forward to football season. You know, at the time of this recording, we're in St. Louis, Missouri, Mm -hmm. and we just had a first time ever hockey Stanley Cup win, which was great. Our city was like going crazy. Um, So I'm excited, you know, for the city about that, but it was also NBA finals time, Mm -hmm. which goes on a very long time as far as I'm concerned. Which is a beautiful thing when you're a fan. I guess if you're not a fan, it's kind of tough to to get with it. You make it hard to be a fan, though. Really? Yeah. (laughs) This ought to be good. How in the world do I do that? Well, before you tell them how apparently I make it hard to be a fan, uh, I just want to say I did convert you into a football enthusiast. You definitely converted me into being a football fan. So appreciate me. But you should also tell them about your basketball history and how long it goes. Uh, That's a topic for another show. Uh (laughs) (laughs) We don't have time, child, for me to get into it. Right. So this man has played, you know, he was a high school basketball, college basketball, hopeful. And we dated, you know, as you guys have heard, since middle school. So he would drag me to... Where did we go? Like everywhere. So hours. I, I mean, hours. What about this whole hours. drag thing? Can we stop at the drag? <laughs> because the truth of the matter is, you wanted to see me in my shorts. <laughs> you wanted to see my legs and the muscles as they tighten as I jump toward the rim. You had hops. On, tell, I'll give it to tell you. Tell the people the truth. But I mean, like he would pick me up, which was cool. Like by the time he was old enough to drive, he had a car. I was, you know, I liked it, but after. After six hours, you know, it was enough. And so I got sick of it. And Mm -hmm. I feel like the NBA season goes on and on. It's like seven games and seven games and then seven more games and then seven more games. It just never stops. So I'm glad it's, you know, over. No disrespect. Congratulations (laughs) to the Raptors. Yes. Yes. Toronto. So um, Raptors win. Baseball season, of course, is going on. And then we'll get ready for football season, which is exciting. Although a little less exciting for me because we don't have the Rams anymore. But let there be peace. Let there be peace. Which? Um, What? No, as long as we have Kansas City Chiefs, we're okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Go Chiefs. I actually like the Colts, but we can talk about that later. I'll pray for you. (laughs) So a reasonable amount of peace, which I guess is a great segue into the fight of the week. Mm. So (laughs) this week's fight of the week um, is all about uh, what time the nightlight goes out. Mm. Right. Yeah. So. Several years ago, we came up with ground rules. So first of all, I'm a morning person and you are not. I wake up early, usually around mm, somewhere between five and six. And I get more done, like they say, for for morning people will relate to this. I get more done before 9 a.m. than most people do all day. But I also crash pretty early. I'm I'm pretty wiped out by, you know, eight o'clock or so, unless I'm working on a special project, I'm getting ready for something, then my creative juices start flowing, the, the adrenaline is going, and then I can actually pull an all-nighter. And you are a night person. You're also 
a TV person and I'm not a big TV person. So the TV is on when I'm working or, you know, in the room. I don't necessarily need the TV. So a couple of years ago, we came up with ground rules, right, about when the nightlight needs to go off to keep us from having the water roses. And, and the ground rules, they're fluid. So they've changed just kind of based on what I needed or what you needed in a given situation. So they're not necessarily hard and fast. They can be fluid and adaptable. Oh, that's interesting because I didn't I didn't think you felt that way. But basically really? we had a lights out what time the lights have to go out. Mm-hmm. Right. So they go out at a certain time. Right. And if you need the light after that time, you have to go into another room. Right. So I think really to, to help understand. So uh, we have a lot of spaces within our house that you can work. Uh, so we have an office literally across the hall from our bedroom. We have a study on the main floor. So there's some wonderful places where you can go and work. Marissa's preference is to work in the bedroom. uh, Because I like to be close to you. No, don't give me that. It's true. (laughs) You like being in the bedroom. That's where your chair is. Well, I like like to be close. close to you too, but about... Midnight, one o'clock. I oh like to gosh. go to sleep. You ruining the story. I didn't tell him the story oh, yet. Okay. Let me finish. Okay. <laughs> so, um, so on this particular night, I was in my creative zone. And so I was working, uh, burning the midnight oil to probably three o'clock. As a result, the light was on, but he was sleeping. You were sleeping. And so the only time you really noticed that the light was on was if you got up to go to the bathroom. Now, herein lies the problem. (laughs) I can be exhausted enough to fall asleep with a little light on. Okay, but then once it takes time to do that. But then once I get up and go to the restroom, I have to start that process (laughs) all over again because I need darkness to fall back instantaneously to sleep. So my thing is, you've been sleeping because I heard you snoring for two hours. So I'm just like work. I'm like, clearly the light is not bothering you because you're sleeping. So So I'm just like a proof of concept. I'm in the zone. I'm working. You're everybody's happy. Right. Like everybody is not happy. I'm not happy. (laughs) in that situation so um yeah so that you know eventually I don't know if I just oh I think I eventually just went to sleep and the light went off and so the next day you were grumpy so I (laughs) I am married to a Martian she is not human Um, she uh, is literally the hardest working human being I've ever seen up close uh, because she used to you know just kind of be a um an early person so she'd get up at 4 35 and get a lot done uh but then about you know seven eight o'clock she she's ready to crash as time has gone along she is now burning it on both ends where she's a five o'clock in the morning six o'clock in the morning riser and she is staying going through one sometimes two in the morning uh and at some point I have to go to sleep. I'm sorry. At <laughs> some point, I have to go to bed. So then, but here's the catch 22. The other thing that happens is you prefer to be in the bedroom. I prefer to be in the living room mm. when we come home. So I try to stay out of working in the bedroom. And but I, I like, prefer us to be together. Oh my God. <laughs> You're so full of it. So we're on the couch. But what happens is if we're on the couch, because I do kind of, you know, my body shuts down early. Sometimes I will sleep on the couch. So I'll, you know, and you don't like me to fall asleep on the couch. Cause then, you know, like once I go to sleep, I'm not coming upstairs. And I can't sleep on the couch. Right. Nor is there room for both of us to sleep on the couch. Can't do it. So the compromise I think we came to was that if I and then sometimes I choose to sleep on the couch because I know I'm going to get back up like I'll take a power nap and then I know I'm going to get back up at like 11 or 12 and start working Martian, which you would not want me in the bedroom. Correct. So the compromise we made was that if I know I'm going to need to work late, I sleep on the couch and then I don't disturb you. You get your darkness that you need and everybody's happy, sort of. But I miss you when you go. Oh, but you knew that you couldn't have it both ways. Because I definitely don't want the lights. So I'll see you later. Exactly. Amen. (laughs) 
Okay, so next morning, he's grumpy. I'm in the living room already up because no matter what time I go to bed, I'm still up at the same time. And then when he comes home, that grumpiness carries over. It's not really being grumpy. It's just tired. You okay. know, you, when you don't get your rest, you just don't have all of your faculties working. That's, that's fair. I'll give you that. Um, and then I think probably you came home that evening and ended up going to bed early. I mean... I couldn't get to bed till like 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning. I'm trying to go to sleep. I need sleep. You slept for the record. You slept a lot more than that. But whatever. <laughs> we'll agree to disagree. So, but it created tension in the relationship for a couple of days. Like we were kind of on edge. Um, and I'm probably, I end up being sleep deprived as well. Because, you know, we do need sleep. I do recognize that. It's not the best pattern in the world. So you didn't have enough sleep. I didn't have enough sleep. Now we're snapping at each other. And so we, like you said, ground rules can be fluid. Mm -hmm. And so we ultimately had to, you know, sort of revisit our normal ground rules mm -hmm. um, because again our normal time is to turn the lights out lights out is at 11 mm -hmm. but you were still up at 11 so lights out didn't apply like you didn't go down until like after 12 so we had already passed that so let me ask you a question mm -hmm. let me ask you a question so for me i, I kind of want to dig into the fight a little bit for me the issue was uh, I, I believed you were being inconsiderate mm -hmm. and that you were putting and prioritizing your needs above mine need to rest and, okay. and sleep. So that was my issue. That was the issue that represented my anxiety. Uh, so if there was any level of grumpiness I brought to the table the following day, it was rooted in that. What was yours kind of rooted in? Um, I thought you were being, so if you say I was being um, inconsiderate, I thought you were being inconsistent. So like I said, we were already past our ground rule time. It was 11 normally. So we were already past that and inflexible. So it was like, OK, you didn't go down till after 12 and you didn't say anything about the light. And I saw you go to sleep, what seemed to be just fine. And you were sleeping fine for two hours. And so to me, it seemed like I'm like, hey, I'm not up for no reason. You know what I'm working on. I'm in a groove and you seem to be sleeping fine. So it wasn't my intention to be inconsiderate. I felt like you were just kind of up for a minute, but you'd be sleeping three minutes and then you'd be sleeping soundly again. So and I think that's where the confusion is, because it's so difficult to get back to sleep for me with the light on mm -hmm. um, once I'm awakened to use the restroom or something like that. So uh, that's really, really difficult. And once I call the policy, the light policy. <laughs> Uh, then I want the light policy to be enforced mm -hmm. and that you uh, respond appropriately to the light policy. So I think that was the, the issue for me. Yes, we understand that now. So basically, we agreed to renegotiate the rules. If I know I'm going to work late, then I just don't come to bed because I know that if I'm in a groove, I'm not going to want to collect my stuff and have to reposition myself. And so if I know I'm going to work late, I just don't necessarily come to bed so that I don't disturb your sleep. You have the right to have that. And as a result, you sacrifice having me come to bed, which you also enjoy. Agreed. <laughs> So in marriage and relationships, there's always trade-offs, right? It's not my way or the highway, or it wasn't necessarily that I was just trying to be completely dismissive. I was actually meeting one of his needs, one of your needs by being in bed with you because you hate it when I don't come to bed. But I also had a need to honor my creativity when it hits me. I have to do that. And so while respecting one of your needs, which is to come to bed and not have you sleep alone, I was also sort of hurting another need. And so we just decided that obviously because, you know, we old and got to go to work the next day that the value of sleep was more important than sleeping together in those instances. So there is a trade off. And as long as we don't, you know, sort of evoke that right too frequently, then we're all good. Yeah, I think just that balance, finding the balance and uh, making sure that your needs are met and you have that need to work extended hours to push something out that you have that you're working on. And I think that works for us well. We just make sure that obviously we don't do it that often, but I think it works well now that we've kind of reconciled that. I wish, though, you were more like me. 
And I'm, I'm trying to get you to be the Dr. James Payne disciple. I got uh, you. Whereas when I hit those same creative spurts, if you notice, oh my I gosh. always leave the room and go to the study. Always. I wish that you didn't snore. So there we go. I wish you didn't snore. <laughs> I am going to record you snoring. And play it for our podcast listeners. We can just talk to our kids. So we have evidence on record about your situation. The kids love you better because you carried them. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) Yeah. So I think we talked about this last episode, but they say don't go to bed angry, but sometimes going to bed can make you angry. So (laughs) you got to do what works in your household. Absolutely. All right. Question of the week says, my husband and I have been married for two years, but dated for about seven years. Our relationship seemed more fun and spontaneous before we married. Is it normal for relationships to be more difficult in marriage? Hashtag, why is marriage so hard? Wow. Mm. That's a good question. <laughs> that is a good question. How do you answer that question, sweetie? Um. Well, I think that's a um loaded question and as a coach of course I have more questions you know because there's not a lot there and so hashtag why is marriage so hard um I think all relationships can be challenging any relationship married or otherwise And if they dated for seven years, do they have children now? Like, is there a mortgage now? Like, I'm thinking about what changed from dating to marriage, right? Mm -hmm. And that could be all kinds of stuff. I think the stereotype about, oh, once they get married, stuff changes. You can talk about this from a male perspective, traditional perspective. Where, you know, men are like, oh, everything always changes when you get married. I definitely don't agree with that. I think that when you find your friend, when you find the person that you want to spend the rest of your life with, that it gets better. My relationship has gotten better in marriage and continues to get better. So I don't think that um, now we have to, you know, learn, obviously learn and be flexible and compromise. And we've had challenging times. So you definitely have to work through that. But I don't think that has anything to do with marriage in and of itself. I think it has to do with living in a house with someone, period. Right. Mm -hmm. Sharing a bathroom, sharing a bedroom, sharing space, you know, habits where you put your underwear, what kind of bread, how you close the wrapper. Yeah. Um, All of that stuff. Yeah. Like, did they live together or did they not live together? I just I have so many questions to know to in order to be able to answer that. What expectations did they have? What did they talk about before they got married? Like, I just I got nothing but questions there. But Mm -hmm. I, I definitely don't think that getting married has to be and shouldn't be worse from dating. I think it gets better, but it definitely requires some skill and some information in terms of how you do it, for sure. Hmm. My thoughts around that is that when you are dating somebody, you're consistently bringing your best to try to impress them, Hmm. uh, if you will. I think there is some degree of change in that when you get married, whereby you're not trying to perhaps impress them in the same way as frequently Hmm. uh, as you are. For seven years, though, they dated for seven years. You still trying to impress after seven years? That is a long time to... (laughs) date but you know i would say uh it's possible i mean you should i still try to impress you you still try to impress me um at least six times a year (laughs) and i still try to impress you at least five i was about to say oh my god how many i was just i was waiting i was like how many times yes mother's day and easter oh my goodness this is a little more frequent than that (laughs) it's a little more frequent than that (laughs) <laughs> but, you know, I, I think the, the, the key to really understand about you impressed uh, me without trying, baby. That was good. <laughs> that was good. You impressed me, too, <laughs> without trying. I'm going to steal that and just say it about you. You you know the rule, though. What's the rule? Once, Once I said it, you can't it, say yeah. it. Oh, my gosh. Get your own stuff. Oh, my goodness. OK. <laughs> well, um, 
yeah, I, I think being in that type of relationship uh, where you're dating uh, someone, I can think back to when you and I uh, first started dating. It was all about, you know, I worked real hard to make sure my car was clean. When I picked you up, your mm. sitting space was tight, you know, making sure that I had, you know, the right resources to take you on the date and everything was just perfect and that sort of thing uh, by design. Uh, and so you used to clean your car for me. I used to clean my car for you. Nice. Yes. Now I clean my car for you still. She's looking at me. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. You clean the car for us sometimes. I agree with that. Okay. But it's less of a priority now because we're not dating necessarily every day. We, we, right. We out here trying to live life, we're trying to live our best life. Yes. And- raise these kids, all this good stuff. Yeah. So my question back to the writer would be, why is the marriage so hard? Right. So what's getting in the way? What has changed in the relationship? What was working when you were dating? What did you love? Right. Going back to your first love. What were you doing then that made you want to say, yep, I want to do this forever? And what's different now? And make sure (laughs) above all that you think about self, right? Do your self-reflection. Look at the man in the mirror before you look at your partner, um, the man or the woman in the mirror and decide how are you different? Right. And what are the things that you used to do? You know, like you just said, you used to wash the car when we went out like it was a special thing. Right. Mm -hmm. So how special have things been in the relationship? Because the energy transfers. Right. Of course, that makes a difference. So what's changed for you? And then have dialogue about it. Mm -hmm. Right. You do change. So if you dated seven years and you've been married to we're looking at a 10 year relationship, who you are today is not not who you were 10 years ago. So what do you need now? And have conversations about that. And where are you going? What does the next 10 years look like? What are your dreams? What's your heart's desire? And make sure you're having conversation about that. It's a beautiful thing to grow and evolve with your life partner. But evolution is key. So what it was yesterday should not be necessarily what it is today. So have the conversation open it up. So hashtag why is marriage so hard? I just ask you the question back and encourage you to look for the solution in what will work for your marriage. Mm, That's an amazing response. Um, Because as you mentioned, that evolution takes place. So what you needed for me at the dating and courting stage as we were getting to know each other isn't the same thing you need 20 plus years down the road, three kids. It grows, it expands. And so if you're going to be successful in marriage, you have to be fluid and be able to learn new information and apply new information based on new needs. Right. Yeah. And so understanding from your partner, what are the needs now for us to be able to effectively relate well together uh, is critical. It's critical. I love the evolution. I love it, too. So can you even think about that? Let's just go 25 years. Mm. When you were 25 years, what did you need from me? When I was 25 years, what did I need from you? Um, I think what I needed from you was very, very shallow at 25 Uh. years. Um, (laughs) Let's just say uh, what I needed from you uh, was not anything of great depth at that time. I said what you needed, not what you wanted. (laughs) (laughs) Well, sometimes the needs and the wants run together. (laughs) They are twin cousins. Fair enough. We got it. Yes. So what do you need at 45? Oh, now what I need at 45 same is... Same thing, same thing. No, <laughs> same thing, but not necessarily the frequency. Okay. Um, yes, yes, yes. Uh, but I think what I need from you at 45 is um, really a, a good partner, mm-hmm. a good partner, um, a good ally, uh, someone who... Uh, has my back, which, you know, we have done enough life together now that I know with clarity, certainty and understanding that the woman who I'm doing life with 
has my back. You know, we have hit enough bumps in the road where we needed to struggle and strain and pull together for me to know uh, that she has my back. So I think that's an, a very important need that I have uh, of you is just to to have my back, be a support uh, to me, challenge me, uh, push me uh, when I'm not uh, necessarily uh, living up to what it is that I have stated my ideals are or what mm-hmm. I have stated uh, as accomplishment uh, that I want to achieve. And so uh, I, I think those things uh, are key, you know, in my life. And you do a great job there. Oh, thank you, baby. What about you, baby? I just want to say um, before I answer that, I think that's interesting because I think you you needed the same thing at 25. Mm. You just didn't. I didn't know I needed it. Know it or want it. I think you needed it, but you didn't necessarily know it or want it. Mm. Right. So I think that's really interesting. Mm. Just per- perspectives and priorities were different. Uh, what did I need or want at 25? Um, so I'm thinking of, you know, making it really personal. So I think at 25, by then I had just had our third child. So we were, you know, like probably our kids were, you know, five, three and zero. And at that time, you know, I had been having children for the past five years. I was working as an administrative assistant wasn't necessarily in school, feeling sad, I think, about that. My life was very different than what it is now. I think when you get married young, you have this vision of what this man will be, right? And like what it means to be married and to have a family, right? The white picket fence and all of that. And so I think I wanted more from you than at the age of 25 that you could really offer at that time. You know, I was looking for um, stability and provision and all of that stuff. And to be honest, I was looking for security from you and everything that I didn't have or the failures that I felt, I wanted you to complete me, so to speak, Mm. Um, at that time which wasn't your job necessarily. And so I had to come to myself. It took some years to do that, but I had to come to myself. And so at, I'm not 45, I'm 44. But (laughs) (laughs) so now, um, gosh, I love, um, I love the support. You know, Um, I now have, a strong sense of who I am and what my purpose is in the world. And having your support means everything to me and the freedom and flexibility to to be me and to have you by my side. What I love about our relationship is that, you know, you are amazing and dynamic and and have a purpose on your life. And I'm there as your ride or die to support you. And then, you know, the next day it could be my day, you know, Mm. to be the superstar, so to speak. And you're right there by my side as well. And so I appreciate and I rely on that, you know, friendship Mm. and support um, in uh, living life and fulfilling my purpose. Amen. So us talking about evolution really makes me think about the model for building a love that lasts. Mm. And how we really came to the foundation for successful marriages in the first place and creating that model. I feel like we should talk about that a little bit because it will really be a central theme, I think, of the podcast going forward. Absolutely. Yeah, it'll keep coming up. Yeah. So for our 20th wedding anniversary, we decided that we wanted to give back to love, really, as the way that we celebrated. And we planned an event called Love That Lasts. And we really spent a lot of time thinking about our own relationship, doing a lot of research Mm -hmm. um, about what it takes to build a love that lasts. Many hard won lessons uh, along the way in that 20 year journey. And it just felt like the responsible thing to do to uh, try to help people go further faster. Yeah. And so the premise at the foundation where we are really dedicated to helping singles determine if they are ready for marriage, helping engage couples, repair, helping to preserve marriage and helping troubled couples repair their marriage. 
everything is based on this model for building a love that lasts. And what we find is that almost everything that you can experience in a relationship is found in this model. Absolutely. For the most part, you can kind of diagnose what's going on is in this model. Mm. The curriculum and the skills and the knowledge, um, it starts somewhere in the model and you can kind of begin to really develop what you need to build a firm foundation from that model. And so the components are really simple as we continue to dialogue and really talk about the fight of the week or the scenarios of the week or even our topic of the day. It always comes back to the model. Always, (laughs) always. So Um, let's get into it. Let's let's talk about this model a little bit. And I think the first one is high self-esteem and emotional well-being. Yeah. It's a big Um, one. It's huge, right? So I think that at the top of the model is really, you know, we get that question, am I ready to get married? And so like the first three are usually there and it starts there that you have a firm sense of self and your well emotional well-being is solid. Absolutely. Huge, huge thing. The next one is really. Before we move to the next one, I think that one is so important. If you are not thinking well of yourself, you're going to struggle in any type of relationship. And that's even a biblical principle Mm -hmm. that you love your neighbor as you love yourself. (laughs) So if you don't think well of you, it's impossible for you to think well of me. Mm. Uh, And so that high self-esteem and emotional well-being, that is cornerstone to making sure that you're prepared to relate well with somebody else. You got to first relate well to yourself. Yeah. Carrying baggage from Mm. previous relationships, carrying baggage from your childhood. All of that stuff helps from a readiness perspective to know if you are prepared to get into relationship Mm -hmm. with somebody else. Absolutely. In a healthy way. Absolutely. For sure. Um, can I can I share the next one now? Go forth. <laughs> Go forth and prosper. So the second one, and this is a readiness factor as well for yourself. And then when you're getting in a relationship with someone else, then you put it together. But it basically it's a clear vision and clear values mm. so that you have a vision for your life, a vision for yourself and that you're clear about your values, mm. like what's important to you. You know your core. Right. Which kind of, you know, spins off of that clear sense of self. But it's deeper than that. Like, you know, fundamentally the principles, the values, the characteristics that are at your core so that you don't compromise who you are. You don't find yourself compromising that when you get into a relationship with someone else. Mm -hmm. And then when you're talking about, you know, merging with someone else, then you you know, together kind of create a shared vision. Mm -hmm. Right. But it's important that, you know, my favorite um, saying when it comes to vision and um, is from Cheshire Cat from Alice in the Wonderland, Alice in Wonderland, in the Wonderland. Um, And, you know, Cheshire Cat says, if you don't know where you're going, it doesn't matter which way you get there. Mm -hmm. And so if you don't have a clear vision for what you want and where you're going, you can really be blown and tossed, you know, which way um, by the wind or by someone else's vision about what you should be doing with your life. Vision is a source of discipline. And uh, it's an old adage that says, if you don't know who you are when you wake up in the morning, by noon, somebody else will repurpose you to fit their agenda. Yeah. Uh, So making sure that you know who you are, what your vision is and what you're about uh, is really, really critical before you try to get in relationship with someone else. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, The third piece of the model that's important for readiness sake is financial stability. Mm. Uh, That helps. (laughs) Yeah, it it never hurts to uh, to have money. I think the one thing I've kind of noticed that's necessary, you know, as we've kind of grown older and our kids are older and whatnot, that financial stability is so important. Like at this stage, because your kids need really two things for you to be available and capable. Uh, So to speak. And they need it on the young adult side, but they also need it on the kid side as well, available Mm -hmm. and capable. And so making sure that you're financially prepared to have a a healthy relationship and that you have a healthy relationship with money. You've come to terms with your money story, what you have told yourself about money, the lessons that you have accepted about money uh, and and really putting those things under the microscope to uh, make sure that they're true. Yeah. 
It doesn't mean you have to be rich, mm. right? No. Um, definitely doesn't mean you have to be rich. But I like what you said about money story, right? You should have a budget, sort of know your money story, your money backstory, and be comfortable having a conversation with that. Have a sense about credit because that stuff is going to come up in relationship. You know, what are your sort of biases? Are you the spender? Or are you the saver? And, you know, just like you kind of got to know and have a foundation, a sense for that before you are trying to now merge households mm-hmm. and, um, you know, sharing in relationship with someone else. Yeah. And it's important that you know that about your partner as well as you're kind of starting the relationship conversation and and looking towards sharing life together. Because financial stability is like riding in a car together. If there's an accident that occurs, Mm. you're both in that vehicle together. And so if you have a partner that has a zillion dollars worth of debt or whatever the case may be, you are taking on that challenge as well. So just going into it from a financial standpoint with your eyes wide open and really understanding what you're getting into important important conversations to have my zillion is your zillion my zillion is your zillion (laughs) and we we gonna tell them together yeah so again those are um the three that um from from our vantage point that show up from a readiness perspective Mm -hmm. for sure that we think are essential to have before you start having the conversation Mm -hmm. but again this model is consistent for building a love that lasts regardless and it works in readiness in marriage prep marriage preservation so with the couples that are already married and also for the marriage repair work that we do so it shows up wherever you are We can sort of use it again, kind of diagnose where the issues are and we can drill in and start doing the work there. Obviously, if you can start with a great foundation, fantastic. But, you know, if you didn't, it's definitely not too late. Mm -hmm. So the fourth element is friendship and fidelity. Mm. We talked about this and kind of did our homework about this a lot when we talked about the top causes for divorce. And I think if I remember correctly, obviously money shows up a lot and then infidelity shows up on the top of the list as well. Right. We merged friendship with fidelity because when you think about it, you're making a commitment. And at the end of the day, your commitment can outlast and should outlast your emotion Mm -hmm. and your feelings. Your feeling of Cupid. So the whole (laughs) Cupid thing, it can be short-lived, but you're making a commitment to a larger relationship. So I have to like you. I like you too. It's helpful. It's very helpful (laughs) uh, to like you and to have a friendship and to be committed to our relationship. But I think a, a good grounding Uh, for healthy uh, marriage relationship is in friendship and that I like you. I genuinely like spending time with you and I want to see you live your best life and be a part of it. Yeah, that I mean, romantic love is is fantastic, but I'm not always in, you know, I'm not always feeling romantically inclined necessarily, but there's also that agape love. Mm -hmm. Like, I love you. I value our friendship. I'm committed to our relationship and knowing that um, we have a friendship, that I care about your well-being, even when I am angry with you as a as a life partner or as a romantic partner, I don't want you hit by a bus. I don't want to intentionally hurt you. Right. I don't I, I don't I don't want to do something that is going to violate or sever our friendship because of that agape love that I have Mm -hmm. and or because of the commitment that I made to our relationship. Right. And the agape love, it's unconditional. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I think kicking the conditions off of love and relationships is critical. If you have a condition based relationship, you will always run into a scenario where your partner infringes upon or disappoints based on one of your conditions. Absolutely. Uh, And so I think it's important to to have that agape love, the God kind of love and just, you know, kick the conditions out. Kick the conditions out because you are going to disappoint me. Yes. And I'm going to disappoint you. And you're going to disappoint me. I don't mean to, though. Mm. But I'm human. You're human. I'm human. And so I think the the best thing to do, and this happens in the friendship context, is I I call it, I keep a pocket full of grace. 
uh, <laughs> just, you know, just to reach in there and give me some grace uh, when you need it. And that ties into uh, Love Bank. You know, you, you pour enough into the person where there's enough uh, for you to be able to make some withdrawals. Not that you're intentionally uh, trying to miss the mark or anything like that, but, you know, we're human beings. And so there are there are times uh, when I'm going to frustrate and or disappoint you and there are times you're going to frustrate and or disappoint me. But keep a pocket full of grace. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep some grace in the bank. So number five is popular. Mm. <laughs> and it is Very. healthy conflicts and communication. Wow, that's uh, a big one. It is so big. But if you can master this, this is why we cover this in our marriage prep classes. If you can learn how to fight fair. Mm and disagree without being disagreeable mm. and just learn how to dialogue right and have open communication to be honest about your feelings and to share you will like shorten the likelihood of disconnecting mm -hmm. significantly in your relationship yeah um so often we make assumptions that our partner knows what we're thinking mm -hmm. or um, we make judgments about them and their motives for why they're doing something. Um, so that is like so common, mm. um, but we have to learn each other and we have to be willing to be open in our dialogue and vulnerable in our dialogue and sharing so that we can, you know, build that healthy communication and learn how to disagree, like I said, without being disagreeable. Yeah. And I think to have an awareness that conflict is normal, it's yes. natural. Uh, there's nothing wrong with your relationship because you have conflict. I think a lot of couples, uh, you know, too quickly throw in the towel over conflict that they have that is fairly resolvable. Uh, but but I think uh, being having that awareness that conflict is normal, is natural, is going to occur. Uh, and then having a, a pre-established plan or a toolkit for how you will address conflict when it shows up in your, in your relationship that honors both of you all uh, and, and, and honors your dignity uh, and honors, you know, your perspective uh, puts the issue in the room uh, as the thing that you're both working to resolve, as opposed to putting you in separate corners as opponents who are trying to win something. Yeah. Uh, and so I think, you know, having that understanding of conflict and, and healthy communication uh, is critical. It's critical. And then understanding that you Rome was not built in a day that there's a reason people say that all the time. Uh, it, sometimes it takes some time to work through conflict. You may not be able to resolve every single conflict in that moment. You may need to take a cool down. You just you know walk away from it uh, for a bit, come back to it when you have cooler heads. Uh, there's a principle uh, that you and I practice with respect to conflict uh, that we call HALT. So that stands for hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Uh, anytime that we're experiencing any of those things, we just kind of take a step back and say, this is not probably an opportunity for us to have our best dialogue about this issue. <laughs> Uh, and so you're, we're going to take a step back and come back to it uh, when we have cleaner, cooler heads. You know, we have a segment called Fight of the Week. Yes. Do um, we practice that? We do practice it. I mean, we are not perfect people. Uh, OK, I was just I, I think checking. We try, I think we try to get it in when we can. <laughs> we do try. Yes. yes. Uh, why do they say Rome wasn't built in a day? Uh, because they want you to understand that valuable things take time. But why Rome, though? Because Rome is, you've been to Rome, it's a beautiful, valuable place. They don't answer the question, but I, I'm off track. Never mind. We'll talk about <laughs> it later. <laughs> the um, sixth uh, element is sex and intimacy. Mm. Uh, Got to have it early and often, right? Yep. Basically, bottom line. What's the difference between sex and intimacy? Mm. So uh, sex is an act. Intimacy is an, uh, it, it's an internal experience, I believe. And so uh, you can have uh, uh, sex with anybody, but I think you have intimacy uh, with someone that you have a spiritual connection with. Mm, spiritual connection. Yes. Does it have to be spiritual? Uh, I think it is spiritual because uh, it ties into uh, my understanding of who we are as people. So mm. a man is a spirit, uh, has a soul and lives in a body. Mm -hmm. uh, and so at our core, that's why we believe uh, that we never die uh, because we are spirits. Our bodies uh, give out, our bodies expire, but your spirit remains forever. 
that's the whole concept of you rest in heaven or hell and that sort of thing. So the intimacy is connecting spirit to spirit. And it doesn't necessarily happen or exclusively happen through sex. Like there are tons of ways we can be intimate. Correct. Without having sex. Absolutely. I'm actually feeling kind of intimate with you right now. I get that. (laughs) I'm actually feeling kind of intimate with you as well. And we are fully clothed (laughs) at the moment. At the moment. (laughs) You are nuts. Um, end of the podcast. I'm just, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. See you next we got, week. Well, one more element. <laughs> um, so at the core of our model is a firm spiritual foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of spirit. And that is essential because it is, um, I think one of our questions came up that it was difficult, right, to be in relationship, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That you need, um, and that's just, again, not just marriage. Any relationship requires some centering, Mm. um, requires some practices that keep you connected with something higher than you. You know, for us, obviously, that's God and his spirit. But whatever that is, like, you need a source to connect to that's going to get you and keep you centered in a way that helps you be your best self. Yeah. Otherwise, again, it would be very difficult for you to really be able to connect healthily in a way with anybody mm. um, without that core connection sure. um, to your spiritual foundation. Sure. And regardless of whatever you call it, we call it God in Christ, but regardless of whatever you call it, all uh, religion and or spiritual uh, experiences seek to provide response to three specific things. Um, How you got here, what you're supposed to do while you're here and what happens when you leave here. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I think having a firm spiritual foundation that kind of grounds you, uh, it really connects into the other areas of the model that we talk about, shared vision and values. So some of that is birthed from your spiritual foundation and just kind of understanding what you're supposed to be doing while you're here, what purpose looks like for you and who kind of drives and guides that. Yeah, because I think it helps with things like forgiveness, Mm. (laughs) for example, which is a critical component Mm -hmm. (laughs) that you're going to need in this life in interacting with anything. Because like we said, you know, um, you're going to get hurt. You're going to be offended and it helps you recover. It helps you understand your own own humanity. Mm -hmm. It helps with ego and pride and shame and all of that stuff that comes in um, humanness. And so because of that humanness, you need that spirituality, that core foundation to ground and balance that for yourself and, you know, for your relationship. Absolutely. Good stuff. Um, So that is the model for building a love that lasts. Okay, so uh, our calling to this work is really just grounded. In an old, old, old uh, biblical uh, text that basically says to whom much is given, much is expected. And uh, my wife and I have been given a ton of grace, if you will, to overcome many of the mistakes and errors that we made along the way. And we felt a sense of obligation and responsibility to not let these lessons die with us. But if we're able to kind of help somebody else see the forest from the trees, the old adage says it's hard to see the picture when you're the frame. And so we've been able to kind of step outside of the marriage experience, uh, having made it through many of the shifts we needed to get through. And we captured what that data looked like for us. And we put it into this model to be able to help other people not go through all the pain and all the court cost uh, and all the attorney fees. Uh, and, and whatnot that we had to go through in order to earn the model that we're sharing today. So many years ago, when Dr. Payne was everything but Dr. Payne, um, God gave me a vision of who Dr. Payne would be. He showed me him standing before great men speaking, and that he would be. The man of my dreams. 
And when I say he was everything but, I mean, he was everything but. And I was actually a little annoyed by it because I got the vision at a time when I was like at my wits end with him. I think we talked about that on a previous episode when we shared a little bit about our story. And I was just like, I I can't do this anymore. This is ridiculous. And so, you know, over the course of our relationship, we've had, you know, periods of separation, but that vision never left me. And in the middle of being on again, off again, we had this shared, like he said, kind of um, call to help marriages, help relationships. And, you know, there are some people in the world who were part of the first iteration of the foundation, which was actually called Joint Heirs Together in the Grace of Life, which is from a scripture. And we would have kind of couples Bible studies in our home. We did Mm -hmm. that. And then the next year we'd be off again. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We didn't realize that we were, you know, under. Spiritual attack as well. Yeah, it was basically, you know, the enemy worked overtime to ensure that our purpose together didn't happen and we didn't help. Like we contributed as well. And so I think by the time we got to our 20th wedding anniversary, it was just like we were firmly committed. Um, Number one, he had definitely become that vision that I had had manifested and he, you know, had become everything that. God showed me he would be. And it was time for us together to actually do the work that he needed us to be doing. And so we committed. And actually, even then, we faced challenge. And so, you know, we've just gotten to a stage of maturity. Kids are young adults now and gone where, you know, we're not scared anymore. Um, You know, we're firm and ready to really resist whatever goofiness the enemy has to throw at us and committed to really taking this thing forward. So we're super excited about that. Super excited. All right. So that brings Life, Love and Leadership with Dr. James and Marissa Q. Payne to an end for today. We appreciate you listening as always. As always. You can reach us at SuccessfulMarriages.org. If you want to submit a question or scenario for our um, topic of the day, you can do it there. You can also follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram at Dr. James Payne or Marissa Q. Payne. Also Successful Marriages. We look forward forward to talking to you next week. All right. See you. Bye. This is Life, Love and Leadership. The Life, Love and Leadership podcast is a presentation of Marissa Q. Payne International, Dr. James Payne Speaks and the Foundation for Successful Marriages. Connect with us. Find us and follow on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter to learn more about our guests, show notes, services, events or to get involved. Visit SuccessfulMarriages.org. Life, Love, and Leadership is another positive production of Rare Gem Productions. Thanks for listening.